Hello, welcome to this bonus episode of TF. It's Riley, mm. your friend from earlier. I'm here in studio. <laughs> My shady friend. <laughs> yeah. I'm your sh- I'm your shady friend from from high school that you're embarrassed to introduce to your university girlfriend when she comes to visit your town. <laughs> Opening oh. a big long coat full of podcasts. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your shady friend from university that is visibly drunk on cider, walking through your town without a stag do around me in sight that I insist is just around the corner. Uh, uh, I- are you a member of the Wurzels? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I am here in studio with Milo Edwards, who is riding the boards. Hi, it's me, boy. I'm very stressed. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in for Nate Bethay today. Uh, I'm not your friend. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> shady or otherwise. Yeah. Milo, your enemy. Mm. Um. And also, also sitting in is um is Aiden Taco Jones. Bonus, 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 bonus. Sunday, yes, Sunday, the bonus, Sunday. The bonus guest. <laughs> <laughs> bring, bring, bringing some of that Bunta Vista energy. Yes, <laughs> I've still never met them or seen them or heard of them. No, I listened to one. Great dudes, and and we, dudes is a gender neutral term. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> very, very nice. It dudes. is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very nice bunch of dudes. And <laughs> we have to stop always doing that. This is now the second bonus episode in a row where there's just oh, been that. We've got to stop. No, it's it's, stop it's compulsive. It. You have like a Manchurian candidate thing where you impersonate Andrew. Well, to be fair, last time we were doing it because uh, Ben was on the show. Mm. Yes. And so we were just trying to make him feel at home. Yes, absolutely. Bean. Exactly. Bean. Yeah. Bean. So, Bean. No, we're doing it again. <laughs> and, and of course, Alice joining by phone. Yes. However, phoning in in before, so many ways. Before, <laughs> look, before we get. Before we continue lollygagging around with all of these d- distractions, I-, I want to tell you all about humanize. That is spelled with a Y. Damn. That's the startup for this. Is it just, is it just human eyes? Yeah. <laughs> They're selling human eyes. Um, He's a thing. Not exactly. <laughs> it's like the Y kind of to me connotes like speed or quickness. So I'm going to guess that it's some sort of app that makes you experience your life in like an hour. Mm. Um. Ooh. Okay. Good. Good guesses. Milo took the first step along that, and as much as it does involve eyes, it connects not your, not your human eyes. Oh. oh, you. Oh, like uh, like it allows rabbits to uh. see from your perspective. Mm. Yes, a brilliant, a brilliant new te- new <laughs> yes, technology. Yes, excellent day vision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like any sort of animal, because animals can't empathize with humans, and that is a big problem in terms of the ecological that crisis is. that we're currently facing. So, if only whales could understand that we think they taste so damn good. Then they would let us hunt them to extinction. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's yeah. a warg app. You can be a warg. Yeah. <laughs> you can be a warg. Aiden's actually from Japan. That may not have come across from his accent. <laughs> so but, we uh, we are pioneers, they say, of blank analytics. It's called human eyes, and they are pioneers of some kind of analytics. It's it's organs. It's definitely organs. It's connecting Organ you to analytics. eye donors somehow. <laughs> Thank Damn. goodness. It, it's it's one step less evil than that. Um. Uh. It's. Uh. Are they? Are they like? Do they analyze like your eye movements to you know work out if you're a pedophile or something? <laughs> no, not, not because, not because to work out if you're a pedophile. Very shifty Ooh. look. But here's the yeah. thing, Milo. Otherwise, <laughs> you keep looking at that. They school do. Right there. They do. They analyze your eye movements. 
Oh. However, Milo, um, you have got it mostly right, minus the pedophile thing. Oh, no. To figure out if you're At an organ minus donor. minus the pedophile thing for a change. <laughs> <laughs> so, historically, companies have had to rely on incomplete or subjective data sources to drive blank decision-making. Oh, I know what this is now. Yes, I've seen this. Uh, racism. Uh-huh. It's <laughs> to, yep, dri- to drive racist decision making. Essentially. <laughs> they're, they're just relying on incomplete data sets to inform their racist views. <laughs> the trouble is, we've been doing racism wrong all along. Yeah, it turns yeah, yeah. out there's, there's way more factors to consider. Yeah, it turns yeah. out actually it's white people who steal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it is, though. If yeah, technically, on a macro level, yeah. 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 Most, of, most, of, most of the world's sort of stealing yeah. has been if, if profit is yeah. theft, which we accept, hmm. then most of <laughs> if profit is theft. But micro and macro, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. micro, macro, meso. Yeah. If, if we're talking about data. stealing your country or nicking a pack of biscuits out of Tesco, it's definitely white people both oh, times. Oh, yeah. I'm starting yeah. a new civilization in Iraq called Macropotamia. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a new, no, like, please. Come on, it's 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 metapotamia. It's a civilization <laughs> about the two rivers. Yeah, uh, my uh, my ancestors no, came beyond. over and pillaged micro. Uh, oh, what's it called? Micro America. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Mm. So, we've been pioneering organizational analytics for a decade and remain the only solution available that measures both blank and blank. Uh, skull shape and width. Oh, Alice, you're thinking of a different dystopian technology. Oh, fuck, am you're I? thinking of higher view. Yes, I am. Uh, this is humanized. This is different. I'm thinking of the like oh. recruitment calipers, but this is a different kind of caliper. So, say, yes. that, say that sentence again. I missed that. We've been pioneering organizational analytics for over a decade and remain the only solution available that measures both blank and blank. The only solution. That's such gross... Like, mm. it doesn't mean anything. I can't imagine racial profiling and solution ever having been used in the same <laughs> sentence before. Okay, this, this is, cal- it, it's, it is, it's not full, it's not like phrenology kind of human analytics, but it's still deeply dystopian. Does it scrape? So I'm just going to go. No, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to go ahead and okay. do it. Yeah. Humanize ID badges look like a normal employee no. ID badge, but mm. but are, oh no, are equipped with radio frequency identification and near field communication sensors, Bluetooth sensing, infrared to detect face to face interaction, an accelerometer, and two microphones. Oh, it's Logan's Run, but you're just at work. <laughs> oh my god, why does it need Bluetooth? Because it basically this I'll tell you why this is from press. Uh-huh. Uh, humanized badges talk to beacons around the office to detect proximity. So where you are in the office at any given point. It's the thing the we microphone. made fun of WeWork for for like yes, using a that. bunch of surveillance technology to work yeah, out that so, people want coffee in the morning. So what WeWork <laughs> did was WeWork had a bunch of cameras around the office that tracked your every move. Yeah. What this does is it makes you wear the camera. Yeah. Hmm. And so it, it develops like heat maps of where yeah. you're at. But not just that. Yeah. They turn you into a bouncer. Everyone's <laughs> wearing a black like. shirt. The microphones are also are recording 100% of the time. Yeah. Now, the company mm. says it promises they're not recording what you say, but just your tone and the frequency <laughs> of your conversation. Oh, my God. Uh, I love to have a cop body cam on me all the time. But yeah. pointing at you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy that we're not yeah, we're not recording the actual words, but just what emotion you were feeling and trying to convey and who you were conveying it to. Mm-hmm. So really the words are meaningless yeah. at that point. So it also what it'll do is it'll see uh who which other employees are you say walking around and talking to? Where yeah. are you talking to them in the office? So yeah. what you've got to do are, is are you talking manage, to union organizers? Tone. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Who are you conspiring yes. with? Oh, I think we should all get together and murder the bosses of the company. <laughs> what, a, what a pleasant conversation this guy's having. What a, what a fantastic co- colleaguely tone he's yeah. using. Just politely so ah, yeah, up. I think we should put their hits the on a spike. <laughs> so the CEO, Stephen Weber, explained... So it's not recording what you're saying, but how much do you talk? Do you dominate conversation? What's your tone? What's your volume? I'm What's a your speed? Conversational top. <laughs> yeah, just I'm a just, conversational power bottom. Yeah, just wear yeah. You don't talk much, but when right you do talk, you're a sir. Yes. So Weber says that managers can use aggregated data. So, for example, what percentage of your employees are talking where? What percentage of your employees are conversational tops? What percentage of your employees are, say, going to the bathroom eight times a day mm. and just posting? Mm. To see, quote, what top performers at your organization do that others don't? You can test how you manage the business and even A-B test different office layouts before implementing them. Damn, a lot of people uh. were going to the union store. Yeah. <laughs> Weber Damn. says the overall aim is, quote, quantifying the value of employees having coffee together in the age of working from home. What the fuck? Oh, so you can wear your badge when you're working from home, etc. This is the idea of it. No. no, no. It's specifically to say that you're, when you're in the office and let's say you're part of like a sales team that's had a particularly good quarter mm. and you're all wearing humanized badges. Yeah. The idea is that your boss can say, hmm. They took two X more coffee breaks than the other employees. Let's legislate everyone to take coffee breaks. This is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. this is such a f- transparent way of trying to get people to like have a justification to still be in an office when there's no good reason to be, right? Totally. Well, it's also a transparent mm. way. No, I've I've just said that's their pitch, right? That's what mm. they say they're gonna do. Right? They say, um, with the explosion of available data, you no longer have to rely on surveys or observations or asking your employees to understand what's working or what's not. Our metrics quantify the previously unmeasurable factors for team success, like collaboration, communication, and teamwork that are essential for productivity and performance. Wait, but the, the, the they seriously is- sold this as you don't have to talk to your employees. If, it's if, like you don't have to go ask them. If, you can just basically study them like animals in a yeah, zoo. Yeah, if, if you're a boss mm. who has social anxiety, you can just smile at people. <laughs> small boss. Way easier. <laughs> you're um, the boss who's locked account. Small <laughs> boss. <laughs> Plot twist, the boss is the power bottom. Mm. The boss baby. Yeah. Um, uh, but here's the thing, though, is that obviously this doesn't account for the fact that people are different, right? So if you really want to quantify all of the little metrics that make a team work together, you're going to need to go a bit deeper than just where people are. I would suggest maybe a heart monitor, some sort of blood type, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. like a database. Yeah. Some um, calipers. Stool yeah. samples. Yeah, calipers. Yeah, stool <laughs> samples. <laughs> um, just, if, if the boss is a power bottom, you can just pee at his cupped hands and he can tell you what it's like. Damn. Um, like I, don't know, I don't know what I'm vibe. I, I don't know what a power bottom does. No, you Maybe you, that's you it. have a really weak stool. <laughs> the boss putting a really small piece of cheese in the center of a maze of those cubicle walls and seeing which employee gets to it I'm, first. I'm so, so enjoying Riley trying to like derive the idea of a power bottom from first principles based on Bergheim. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Well, it mu- it uh, must in- involve piss, so... <laughs> <laughs> bottom who, who who lifts they're sort of hydraulically assisted in some way <laughs> yes, the power lifter from aliens okay yeah. exactly but being a bottom so um we might ask uh, interesting this seems like a system that's designed to get employees just used to the idea of being more and more and more tracked by more and more and more people right um 
So, um, uh, when asked, what about privacy? Stephen Weber says that he thinks privacy laws and regulations are out of step with the next phase of physical biometric tracking in the workplace. Of course he <laughs> fucking does. He owns a surveillance company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the laws go- against burglary are quite out of step with me as I push this ladder against a second floor window. <laughs> <laughs> the next phase. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, next yeah. phase. You know, where we have, again, all this technology that exists to like, track yeah. what employees are thinking about at any Identity given time. Identity politics for people in little eye bandanas carrying sacks with loot written on them. <laughs> <laughs> so he says. You need government regulation just to make sure that when people are in companies that they get to opt into this kind of tracking. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> because oh, then, then if you didn't have the thing, then they couldn't say that they would want the thing and then the, the thing. Yeah. So yeah. You need to make we sure. We should have government legislation to make sure that all women feel able to say they want to fuck me. Because <laughs> 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 I feel the moment, you know, every woman I've ever met has felt uncomfortable with admitting this truth. And so <laughs> it, it's a freedom also, of speech issue. It is. In, in order to make wearing the badge more palatable, here's what happens if your organization contacts Humanize, they will send a team in to discuss with all your employees, like at a town hall meeting or whatever how this system works and what gets recorded and why and what it gets used for. And they say, don't worry, we can't say that, you know, you, Steven, are going to the bathroom eight times. We can just say 2% of your employees are going to the bathroom one more guy. than three yeah. times. Yeah. Don't <laughs> say who. They don't say what kind Starts of team they send in. and ends in even. <laughs> <laughs> they send in a fucking SWAT team to head the meeting. They're like just a few dudes with riot shields and rubber bullets to explain to you yeah. how the new system is going to I mean, work. It's going to be like the monorail episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> 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 so, what happens is that everyone says, okay, this sounds great, signs a disclaimer, and then crucially opts in. When it is suggested to Weber that employees might be pressured to take part, uh, Weber replied, well, if you force people to wear a badge, then this is a direct quote, if you tried to force people to wear a badge, you would just have a negative impact on the workforce that counteracts any positive effect the technology has. So, we don't think anyone will do that. But you can't no. do that. So you can't then- murder someone. That's illegal. <laughs> I don't even understand. Wait, I don't understand that. So he says you can't force. He's like, yeah, of course you can't force people to wear badges. Well, no, 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 give me an example. You, you can. It, it would just be bad, and you don't want to do the bad thing. You want to do the good yeah. thing, so you wouldn't do yeah, the bad yeah. thing. You don't want to force people to wear badges. You want to let people wear badges Mm -hmm. as long as they're wearing the badge. Here in Argentina, (laughs) we have a long and proud tradition of not making anyone wear a badge. It's kind of like um, in the European Union, there's a working time directive that says you you, you can work only 37 and a half hours a week or so. Dolly Parton directive. (laughs) What you're allowed to do do is you're allowed to opt out of it individually. Now, every company in the UK makes it a standard contract clause that you opt out of the working time directive. That seems healthy and normal. Apart from podcasting. It's much the same thing here where it's like, no, well, you can... You kind of you don't have to wear the badge. You opt in, but it is of course part of your contract. Yeah. Nobody cared who I was before I put on the badge. <laughs> <laughs> if I take that thing so, off, will you die? <laughs> so, um, and I just love that he's like, "Well, no, come on. If if people are feeling bad about being tracked at work, then they won't improve their performance." That's so, so revealing. Why would you force oh my them? god! I wonder if this guy has any employees. 
Like what is like? Because this guy sounds like a sociopath, you know. Look, look. There's the turn at the end of this startup segment will show exactly why he thinks this way. Oh, awesome. amazing! Okay, okay great. I'll, I'll I'm looking forward to the twist that I'm sure there. everyone is now eagerly anticipating. So there is there. It's not so much a twist as a oh, of course that makes sense. Mm. Oh, great. Uh, so I'm gonna do before we deliver the twist though. Oh, it's um, like and that startup man was Joseph Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, some call the Soviet Union the most am- a more ambitious spacefaring startup than. <laughs> SpaceX. Yeah. So um, I'm going to do three examples of the kinds of incredible insights you can derive from Humanize. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So a pharma company contacted Humanize, uh, and they used the platform to discover that employees who interacted with their team members were happier, more engaged in their job, and significantly more productive. So they used those insights to connect to connect employees to talk, especially if they're in like more junior or more senior, and then introduced monthly team building activities, which gave employees more of a chance to connect with each other. Wow, what a fucking so- coincidence that their <laughs> lesson from this was let's have more meetings. <laughs> <laughs> a retail bank. The Humanized dashboard helped this European bank uncover a pattern. Employees at the strongest of performing branches had significantly more face-to-face interactions throughout the day. Do we see a pattern yet? Yeah, yeah <laughs> people with meetings. friends are happier. Mm. More meetings. We so the, love meetings. They're good. So the bank that took the low-performing branches redesigned their office space to force employees to interact more throughout the day, including restructuring and implementing a rotating desk system that meant previously separated employees interacted mm. with each other. Like oh a revolving Like the desk just <laughs> rotates. <laughs> Yeah, yeah everyone's on a giant lazy Susan yeah. and they just rotate <laughs> around. I can't wait for like us to do this and to work out that it's very inefficient to have me call in and I'm being forced I have to like be forced to commute down to London to do the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Although ironically lazy Susan was really bringing down the performance on the team. <laughs> Um, so here's the last one. Uh, a call center. The humanized platform revealed that employees with the most cohesive networks, those who socialize the most in the office, had the highest levels of productivity. So that they implemented a new break schedule to make sure employees interacted more. It's just it's just an expensive and deeply privacy like violatory and intrusive way of saying, hey, give your employees a little bit of break time. Is, isn't it um, interesting that they don't mention what everyone wrote, like what everyone's names were on the badges? Like we found that the employees who we gave the badges labelled fuck knuckle were actually had lower self esteem <laughs> than the employees. Okay, <laughs> many of them did start trying to fuck their own knuckles, which was uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, some of them talk it as a directive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to give all three of you an opportunity to guess what the twist, not so twist ending is of this particular startup. Starting with Alice, what do you think the twist ending Ooh, is? Is it that the guy? Well, it's clearly about the guy that we were talking about, and it's about his like personal background or something. So, yes. like, was he by any chance rescued by the Allies from his position as a senior official in Nazi Germany and like uh, used to develop this technology? Mm. No, more hilarious, Milo. Um, uh, uh, I don't even know. There's like some weird like Tyler Durden shit going no, on. No, no, no. The twist ending relates to stuff we've talked about before. Well, that narrows oh. it down after fucking 200 yeah. episodes. Oh, the what? Wait, I mean, Jeffrey like, Epstein. You guys, are, you, you are all <laughs> yeah. going to be so embarrassed when I tell you that Humanize was founded in 2011 out of the MIT Media Lab. Ah, the no, fucking overplot again. <laughs> I hate this meta a- thing. <laughs> It's another MIT Riley, media collapse. Stop meta gaming the podcast. <laughs> they invented a multi-million-dollar way to show that people like taking breaks at work. <laughs> Just a bunch of children with badges underneath the little Saint James Islands. <laughs> 
I lo- I I really do. I really do love the modern world that we live in where it's like, "Oh, let's um let's find out this thing that we already know because it's obviously true that like people are sort of happier and more productive if you let them like have breaks and talk to each other, but prove it by doing some like weird Nazi intrusive <laughs> shit." <laughs> yeah, we've taken a million people's semen samples to prove that truth is beauty. Beauty, truth. <laughs> <laughs> At least the startup that was microchipping employees let them like use vending machines or doors with their little mm. implants. Yeah. This and it meant if they got that. lost, any vet could return them to the office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, so, enough of this <laughs> nonsense. Employees get scared during the fireworks and run away. <laughs> <laughs> so, enough of this nonsense. It's time to get literary. Mm. Love to get um, literary. So, time for part two of Boris Johnson's book, 72 Virgins. Oh, I've been waiting oh, for this. Amazing. Look, the, the, the plot is a gossamer thin web. Um, it's not really that important. Mm. Uh, so just to catch everyone up, um, oh, how Roger, Barlow, Roger Barlow, mm. a uh, transparent stand-in for Boris Johnson, um, has cycled to the House of Commons to see the American president give a speech at the same time for, and it cannot be emphasized enough in this book, Muslim mm. terrorists, uh, one of whom is from Birmingham and called Dean. The other is Welsh and called Jones because they've been radicalized. Right. Well, also, um, it's Welsh, so it still has to be called Jones. <laughs> have managed to slip a stolen ambulance to the cordon to pull off some kind of attack, and mm. in so doing, have killed a traffic warden. Real it's, mischievous it's, it's, Saracen hours. Yeah, it's mm. so crazy that you said to me before that this seems like it's it, like immediately trying to be PG Woodhouse, but that is the most like that is the least irreverent rompish plot I've ever heard in my like PG mm-hmm. Woodhouse would never be like they're trying to bomb the White no, House. There would, well, there would be like a that, maiden aunt who you would have to avoid having yeah. tea with or something. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in trying to be the action version of PG Woodhouse, like okay. I think the whole thing gets stopped when like they're about to bomb the president, but then you know the Boris Johnson character turns around with a two by four and accidentally brains yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. It's like a, it's that kind of thing. It's like, like four lions, but a really racist version. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, yes, like exactly. Dan Brown with pratfalls. Yes. <laughs> so, and this is actually from a review. While writing the book, Johnson said he was, quote, terrified that it would come across as a, page-y, a pale imitation of P.G. Woodhouse and Evelyn Waugh. I don't think that's a risk, authors. man. Yeah. I think Amazing. it's a pale imitation of a, of a book. Yeah, that, that, that's such <laughs> also- an interview technique of what do you think your biggest weakness is? Well, some people yeah, think that I totally. sound too much like P.G. Woodhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Having a huge ponderous dick. I keep knocking stuff over <laughs> yeah, with it. It's ponderous. so large that I struggle to get through doorways. I, I However, also, I, I, I enjoy that he didn't name his main character Joris Bonson. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. So, uh, we're going to explore two different and three if there's time vignettes from this book. Okay. Um, th- one of which is the story of Dean, uh, the black country terrorist. Um, and then the second of which... Where's the comma in that phrase? <laughs> uh, oddly enough, Milo, <laughs> Boris, yes. Boris's book is racist enough that because this character is uh, Anglo-Caribbean, he's frequently referred to as a, quote, half-caste. Of oh, my course. course. Uh, yep. You're uh, yeah. Because he's only semi-employed at the local production theatre. Mm. Uh, mm. <laughs> I wish it were so. Unfortunately, mm. it's the racist version. Okay, Roll sure. Of only half of him is made of liquid metal. Justin Trudeau. <laughs> uh, so, um, 
yes. So this is this is the this is Boris Johnson's theory of change because like, he has smuggled in his most like psychotic ideas into this allegedly uh, lighthearted romp of a novel. Um, so here is Boris Johnson's backstory for Dean. Uh, this is being rec- remembered as they're sneaking into Parliament to. Um, to blow some stuff up. Also, oh, when has there ever been a Caribbean Islamic terrorist? <laughs> well, this that kind of defeatism is not going to be like, like how like, we like, the, the <laughs> the of and Again, yeah. Milo, that's that's the kind of thing that Boris Johnson came up with on vacation because he wrote this over the space of a single holiday and said, "Oh, I'll make the the jihadist terrorist Anglo Anglo Caribbean. Everyone's going to get a kick out of that." Don't laugh at the things he wants you to laugh at. That's the trap. Abu uh-huh. Bakr Al Sean Pauly. So, life had been tough for Dean ever since that. Fi- By the way, it's awfully written. Terrible. You I'm trying say. to make as much sense of it as I can. Did you say he remembers this while they're trying to break yeah. in somewhere? What he has yes. like a little like a soliloquy. Yeah, it's like a Proust thing, but written by mm. someone who is way worse. Yeah. <laughs> the first sniff of like fucking um, uh, fertilizer yeah. sends him back. Yeah. So, so life had been tough for Dean ever since that dreadful night in Wensbury. The magistrates had grasped pretty clearly what had happened, and in some ways were even sympathetic, but he was still convicted in a juvenile court of arson and sentenced to 400 hours of community service. It was claimed that Dean had destroyed Price's Cheese Lab, which was on the verge of making a new kind of hard cheese, dense, nutty, and fissile as Parmesan. Haven't we done that on the podcast? (laughs) Yes, we... We've, we've destroyed a cheese lab on No, no, this no, podcast. I mean, as in, haven't we reviewed them? The MIT <laughs> cheese lab was shut down very quickly. <laughs> yeah, the cheese lab was given a valuation of $47 billion by SoftBank. And then only <laughs> later did they realize yeah. they were... Only, only later yeah. did they realize they just leased all of their rennet. <laughs> Turned out all their money was anonymous donations from one Jay Epstein. <laughs> so, Dean, Dean then left school, his record completely unblemished by achievement. And fell in with a bad crowd while performing his community service. I bet he thought that was such a fucking clever line, unblemished. Yeah, with unblemished achievement. by ch- absolute. Mm. I was just thinking he, that. That's, that's such fucking cod, like Churchillian. Ah, oh, his record completely unblemished by achievement. Y- yeah, yeah, and that, and that was like that was like his one <clears throat> thing to hold up the rest of the chapter. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah. that chapter's great. That's it's such a that tent one in whole thing. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a tent. <laughs> we ate it. But then he fell in with a bad crowd while performing his community service. It was Damn. a soft job, just scraping graffiti off of gravestones. But every night... when Who's the... graffiti and gravestones? Well, we find out. Every, <laughs> banks. every night when the cemetery was locked, Dean and his fellow community service conflicts, convicts, Wayne and Polly... Oh. He's <laughs> never been to the East End. He's trying to write East End characters. They're from Birmingham. Oh, okay, yes. there we go. Wayne and Polly would shimmy over the gate, have some drugs. This is one drug, please. A time when you could just name a character something like Wayne Crimes, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> shimmy over the gate, have some drugs, and then, like Penelope on her loom, they would busily oh, undo the work off. of the day. Is this a Greek mythology reference? Yeah. It's not even relevant. It. <sighs> No, because mm. Boris Johnson, when he's when he's writing working class characters who are invariably criminal, or mm. just um, making sort of side bets on one another about how many Korans are in ambulances around the UK, <laughs> which again they do in heavily overwritten, accented English. Amazing. Um, 
that he always has to... like a fucking McKinsey interview question. Like, how many Korans do you think are in ambulances in the UK? But what what Boris Johnson always has to do is insert a classical reference or some Latin or whatever so you remember that he's not a dumb dumb. I believe the the Greeks had a word for this called pathos. <laughs> no, it's up. Yeah. Raffin a dough. <laughs> Raffin a dough. Yeah. When you insert a gravestone into another man's anus. But also, I mean, yeah. when Woodhouse inserted like French words italicized into his books, it was like making fun of that shit. Yes. Like, rather Worst- than actually Percy doing Worcester it. Worcester would he was, like, say something like, uh, I don't know, savoir faire not having any. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, in effect, Boris Johnson, in attempting to imitate the style of P.G. Woodhouse, accidentally imitated the style of Bertie Wooster. <laughs> <laughs> He's fascist Bertie Wooster. We've got well, it. I mean, Meta. he does have one thing in common with Woodhouse, which is that they both have done Nazi propaganda. Hmm. Boris so, Johnson watches Al Murray, the pub landlord, and is like, how does he find the time to run that pub? <laughs> as well as doing all this. So, so he says, uh, they would shimmy over the gate, have some drugs, and then, like Penelope with her loom, they would busily undo the work of the day because they did not want to be moved onto something harder, like scraping the gum. Like a hundred suitors. Oh, so, <laughs> they, so he's saying they graffitied all the gravestones. Yes. And you're supposed to sympathize with these characters. Well, hang on. Here was the mossy tomb of Hannah, the beloved wife of Tobias Horton, departed this world in the year of grace, 1869. SCMU, nice. wrote Dean. He meant to write scum, but he was too stoned on drugs that dyslexia was added to his troubles. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. He was, he was too blazed on heroin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just Poor lad, though, no, I like this character now. <laughs> he has more troubles. I want to yeah. know who this Dean is and what his other troubles are. Saying SCA, that's like a typo. That's not something you yes. would do if you were physically writing something. Skamoo. It's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> look, Boris. Jo- look, the thing is about the thing you have to remember about Boris Johnson is this is revealing his utter contempt for most people who yeah. live in the country. Well, well, I, I was also, in the Bullington like, Club. All of our graffiti was exquisite. <laughs> mm. he, he thinks when he goes down a train line and sees like the the acronyms that people write, he's like, "Oh, poor things, they've misspelled Euripides." He <laughs> <laughs> it, actually spelled skeptic. Um, After a year of drifting around And rejecting every solution That his adoptive father Dennis could offer Dean was, as some politicians like to put it Fuck you, Boris (laughs) I, I hate you writing yourself into this as some politicians like to put it, on the conveyor belt to crime. But you could not really say that the state had failed young Dean for a lack of resources. Here's oh where my God. Here, They're giving oh. him this fantastic educational job, cleaning graffiti off of gravestones, enabling him to become graveyard Banksy. He was painting like snogging policemen on the gravestones. <laughs> That's how he got started. Here's the next paragraph. Isn't this which is, meant to be entertainment, though? Uh, yes, it is. And here's the next paragraph is basically all big laugh lines. So do let me get through it. Mm. Sick. If a heartless politician were to engage in gratuitous political point scoring, he might note that Dean was cared for by a substance abuse abuse outreach worker at £25,000 per year, a crime prevention detached youth project worker at £31,000 per year, a a burglary reduction worker at £23,000 per year, (laughs) a probation probation officer at £26,000 per year, a vehicle theft reduction worker at £28,000 per year plus cars and a representative of dispel a, st- a state-funded body that sees to the needs of dyslexic young offenders at 36,000 pounds aren't just burglary and vehicle theft reduction officers just the police Th- isn't that, that, that what the police that are for? too but like all of Milo, the no they're not all of the social work like th- uh, phantoms that he's invented uh, my partner actually does one of those not the probation officer one i hasten to add 
makes considerably less than 36 grand a year, and also the entire project just got shut down by Glasgow City Council. So, yeah, because all, because there's all too it, much crime. There's nothing to be done because all, <laughs> it, all, it, all it did was invest money in that kid who kept yeah, vandalizing exactly. the gravestone. It, 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 it didn't even thing. teach him to spell better on the graffiti. Uh-huh. And also, uh, it's acting like all of those people are just focused on, like, this kid's costing the state £300,000 a year. It's like, no, those people all have full-time jobs with portfolios of also, fucking people. it's in an action comedy book that's supposed to be re- rem- like mm. reminiscent of P.G. Yeah, Woodhouse. Yeah, it's so irreverent. Houses of Parliament at this point. <laughs> we, we spent hundreds of guineas sending all of, these, <laughs> spending all, sending all of these criminals on a free holiday to Australia. And what have they done but beat us at cricket? We should have hung them all. The fucking didactic uh, excursion in the text, like he's the fucking Emil Zola. Jesus Christ! It's the catalogue of ships, but instead it's the catalogue of the nanny state. This is like this actually is prose below the level of something Jan Franco Zola could write. (laughs) I can't believe he didn't have a little, like a small little one here with a thing to a suffix at the back of the book about how like reading material can be (laughs) obtained from the UK government website. www.fascism.articles. Damn, so edgy. (laughs) So. No single person really took an intelligent interest in Dean until one day some liberal genius in the home office. Oh my uh, god. Here's where it is. Came up with the fresh start scheme. So oh, you, sick. This is where Boris Johnson actually anticipates arguments about universal basic income and counters them with the following. The Fresh Start scheme was a move evoking the excesses of 1970s Sweden. The idea was that they should all be given <laughs> all freedom. Like, what, de- what you did Borch, you can't what decadence the did they bring us other than ABBA? And, like, <laughs> These point people weird sobs. There is nothing. They will stop up nothing. They were eating a raw fish from a can. (laughs) They must be stooped. The idea was was (laughs) 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 that. So the idea was that all three of them should be given a ten thousand pound fresh start fund at the expense of the taxpayer. Wayne, Polly, and Dean could hardly believe their luck. They immediately rented a large house where they lived in scenes of unremitting squalor. They relieved the sudden tedium of affluence with drink and drugs, bought an orange Vauxhall Astra, which they ineffectively souped up and rammed through the window of Wright Price in Bilston. Like, this is supposed to be a fun little romp through um, through some daring do of a yeah, because, of a Because Home County's yeah. dads are yeah. supposed to, like, nod at this and think, well, yeah. it, it, it does be like that, as the kids say. Yes. Well, you know, also, it you says get- a lot about his because pers- I don't think you can buy an orange Vauxhall Astra. I don't think they sell them in orange. I think you would have to literally paint it yourself well, also, if you wanted an orange Vauxhall Astra. Also, who the fuck is renting a house to these people if they're such scumbags? Isn't it, isn't it wild that he's trying so hard to meet my landlord and like pretend <laughs> to be like a minor nobility? <laughs> really, I was just in like a like a like a shimmering ball gown, mm. just being like, "Oh, I ever so yeah. love the bedsit." He's trying so it. hard to like describe what's wrong with these people's lives, and when he goes, uh, "What did he say?" Something about uh, the boredom of affluence, yes, like the unburdened- they relieved the sudden tedium of affluence with drink and drugs. It's like he's clearly making absolutely no effort to understand why he's just going. Oh well, they don't like being rich because they're bored of it. It's like no, sh- surely there's a different reason why people do those things that. 
that you don't understand well, no. and he's making no fucking effort whatsoever Bor- to understand why someone might do that. Boris, Boris Johnson's worldview is that there is a group of people who are like the leisure class, the aristocracy or the wealthy who are responsible guardians of wealth and that everyone else basically needs to be kept busy with a job yeah, or they're just they're going to cause crimes. chaos. Yeah, mm. yeah. Otherwise, they just tar- if if you don't keep the working class employed, if you d- make sure you don't force them to work as much as possible, then what they're going to do is they're just going to sort of their eyes are going to unfocus, and then they're going to yeah. start thinking of like start wearing all the different tracksuits everywhere. Huge yeah. They're going to inject cocaine into their eyes and then crash a car Which into your right nan's house. Well, I wonder we what do. he would say though if you put that to him. If you put that line to him and and said, "Look at how cynical this description of someone is that people do crimes because they just can't." handle being rich that's what that line literally yes. lays out in front of you and if you put that what the fuck could he say to that like what could you fucking say to that Pimple. you wrote Poppy this fucking bookie piece of shit yeah he'd mm. he'd mutter probably and then try to make another sort of wrong latin analogy yeah. Yeah. and make Is some he- like cartoonish lie like something really outlandish Oh, tempora mores. You, what you have to understand is the working class, when they get rich, they suffer from boredom, which is very dangerous, whereas the upper class, when we're rich, which is all the time, we suffer from ennui, uh, which makes you do things like, you know, go to go to Burma and, uh, you know, get a, get a local girl pregnant or something, and then, uh, write, a, write a book of poetry about, uh, you know, Phoenician princes who fondle young boys and then uh, die of sepsis on a, on a boat on your way to fight in some sort of Greek civil war. That's the sort of thing that being rich to the upper class does. Whereas the young people, you know, they just buy these um, these vehicles that are in silly colours and they, they crash them into the pound shops. <laughs> 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 so, the three of them then were compelled through another half-baked government policy to work at the right price that they rammed to earn back the damage that they did. Damn, irony. But- they were, of course, spared prison because they were worried it might be bad for them. <laughs> they crashed a car into Poundland and did 80 pounds worth of damage. <laughs> so, the whole store was destroyed. <laughs> so, if we have step one of home counties, dad stops laughing and just nods vigorously mm-hmm. in agreement. Mm. Here's step two of home counties, dad does the same thing. Step two, cut a hole in the box. <laughs> the three of them, now, this is... There's a little bit of uh, Milo just doing the thing. He was like, yeah, Family Guy. I remember that. No, so, that's not, it's not no, Family Guy. It's Family Saturday guy, Night literally. Live, which is, if anything, worse. <laughs> uh, so we, well, this, is, this is a little bit of a long burn one, but it, it's another thing that Home County's dads think. <laughs> if you're burned mm. for, the six, next few, for six over or the, more hours, see your doctor. Yes. Over the next few days... Um, uh, uh, Dean started looking more closely at Vanessa, who worked at one of the tills. Though he and Polly argued about this to begin with, she was at least as pretty as the girls in the Daily Star with their tits out. <sighs> Bashfully, Dean would buy her chocolates at the till with his own money, and ching ching, he would present them to her. One <laughs> night in the pub, he poured forth his life story the misery of his experience with his foster family, the burning of prices, Chisorium, the tragic ram rabe. He couldn't believe how much she wanted to know about him, how saddened she was by the details of his shocking finances. Here, Vanessa, said Dean, who was fairly sure he was on the right lines. Has anyone ever told you how lovely you are? Oh, Dean, said Vanessa, that's really, really sweet. Van- I've got a brand new combine Shut up. Vanessa, said Dean, knitting his fingers, I love you. Then, of course, uh, she blanks him and then fucks his more attractive friend, Polly, and he walks in on them in the stockroom. Damn. 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 That's fucking that. hot. 
Until, of course, <laughs> until it turns out that Vanessa was not as she seemed. She and, was his stepmom the whole time. <laughs> and this, it, comes out, it comes out with this when Polly brings in a copy of The Guardian, which, Boris takes care to point out, is not usually read by the likes of him. Um, there was this long article by someone called Lucy Goodbody called Breadline Britain. Lucy Goodbody. It was <sighs> the many people Boris Johnson has employed as a trade envoy. <laughs> it, was all, it was called Breadline Britain, and it was all about being a checkout girl in a shop in Wolverhampton and how tough it was. He looked at the picture byline. That wasn't Lucy Goodbody. That was the girl he knew as Vanessa. What's this bollocks, he read with mounting despair, Lucy Goodbody's account of his life in Wright Price, Wolverhampton. It seemed they were among some of the lowest paid workers in Britain, and according to Lucy Goodbody, all hated their jobs. But that's not true, thought Dean. He liked his job, even if it didn't pay very well. I thought they were making him work there because of his, like, oh, GBI. Yeah. I like the job. It's making me better. I'm bettering myself by learning about ordering yeah. the sweets on the right pegs. Yeah. I'm actually the man who comes in who manages the shop in the top hat, says hello to me every morning, <laughs> and gives me a farthing. It's, it's, and it's, I spend it on cigarettes and heroin. It's, it's the one spectrum <laughs> between Wayne Crimes and Wayne Jobs. So yeah. there's the thing. There, there's the second thing that Home County's dad's not along Which with. Is Scottish for child crimes yeah, and child the, jobs. These, these guardian, these guardian writers patronising the lower classes yeah. don't have their best interests at heart. They yeah. don't understand that they actually like being scum on the bottom of my boot. <laughs> yeah, they, li- they like it. They're power bottoms in the political sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah, goal right, for so this for this episode is by the end of it, at least one of you will have figured out what a fucking power bottom is. <laughs> Isn't, isn't that just where you generate quite a bit of the power by moving up and down from the bottom? Power bottom to hydroelectric. <laughs> Typical the Moscow, when you get... they send a shitty equipment. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there, yeah, that's the second thing, which is uh, the Guardians, when they talk about working conditions, are just talking down to the people actually in those jobs. Mm. Oh, wait, an uh, uh, idea for a new startup. How about uh, robot sex dolls, but with like a friction power generator inside the vagina. So when you fuck it, you generate enough power to, you know, like run your small business or whatever. I should get one Welcome, of those welcome to the MIT Media Lab. <laughs> Birmingham now being powered by horniness alone. <laughs> so... Um, in a horrible, that in a horrible case of crossed wires, this goes to the MIT cheese lab, and you have to power all your <laughs> shit by just fucking a big block of Edam. <laughs> to my shame and embarrassment, recorded Lucy Goodbody, young Dave, stand in for Dean, is developing a crush on me. He uses any excuse he can to come to my till and buys me presents he cannot afford. So that evening, well, like sweets, and so she that writes evening, that in the Guardian. <laughs> well, because again, was this a diary? <laughs> Loser, cuck. <laughs> I'm gonna cuck him to teach so, him a lesson. That afternoon, that afternoon, Dean did something really stupid. It occurred to him that he knew where the Guardian was based. It was just down the road, or at least it must have been a branch because it had a big black and white sign over the shop front saying "The Guardian Stroke the Observer." No, <laughs> it was down the road in that London. Yes, yeah, it was down the road in this shop run by a Pakistani man who I'm convinced was the editor of the. Guardian. Guardian. So then that luckless news agents went the way of Price's cheese lab. Dean was then remanded to Her Majesty's Young Offenders Institution at Feltham, and then two weeks later he discovered Islam in prison. Oh As my one wait, 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 wait. So they're saying that this guy is so stupid that he's like firebombed some like poor Indian guy's corner shop because he believes it to be the head office of the Guardian, <laughs> yes. and now he's in jail for a hate crime. Yes. Oh my <sighs> god. <sighs> But at and, least and so, he discovers and, Islam in prison. So that's the happy know. ending. 
Damn. What's what's uh, Boris Johnson trying to? What what's his aim in this? Are we supposed to sympathise with Dean? Yeah. Well, I'd, because he didn't know, so we're supposed to think yeah, like he, he, well, he, he didn't is mean a member of to the commit a hate crime. Races, and as such, he has to yeah. be guided to make better yeah. decisions by he only becoming Wayne Jobs instead of Wayne Crimes. So, Basically, exactly. if you think about it, so far Boris Johnson's theory of change is um, that there was that a liberal reporter came to sneer at the poor for the Guardian, then cockteased the Virgin Dean, who was in this job because a series of coddling government programs didn't just whip him into shape when they had the chance. But then she fucked his friend Paulie, who was a Chad. So Dean turned to radical Islam in prison because he was pissed. He took it out on the Chad corner shop. So <laughs> essentially, essentially. Uh, Boris Johnson is being like, hmm, all of these metropolitan liberal cultural values are trying to replace everyone with Muslims by making them degenerated. It's almost like it's a great replacement theory, you could say. It's a, it's I would like to, to know. replacement at best. <laughs> I'm, I would like to know, and I'm quite disappointed that Boris Johnson didn't describe any of the physical attributes of the lady. Because how am I supposed to know, like you know, whether it was hot when he fucked when she fucked yeah. the chat? How how Quite is how, for a leftist? How is that? Re- how is the red faced fat home county's dad supposed to have a good anger crank to the yeah. idea of a Guardian reporter daring to yeah, question you, you the you order of things? Get a copy of the Guardian and look at the headshots because then you'd have to buy it. Exactly. So, Why is there no page three in the Guardian? We, that's what I would like to know. That would have. It's like that's yeah. that's kind of Boris Wait. Johnson's solution for prese- preventing the radicalization of young people. Her surname was Goodbody though, which is some incredibly like Roger Moore era oh, Bond film mm-hmm. shit. You're so, right. Pussy galore in her Guardian column. <laughs> so, just uh, just see all want to know. Gaze into my own future there. <laughs> do, we, do we all want to know what the prison imam preached? Please. Oh God, no. I'm holding up my one finger as I do this. <laughs> you either, yeah, same, you either die Wayne Crimes or you live long enough to see yourself become Wayne Jobs. <laughs> no, then he becomes Wayne Jihad. Oh, damn. Yeah, again, if we don't if we if we don't keep the working class of Britain whipped into shape, given tough medicine and kept in jobs all the time, then they're gonna go from Wayne Crimes to Wayne Sorry, Jihad. Was this fucking published like was this serialized in Inspire magazine? Because this does seem to suggest that if the poor's only discover the abiding light of Islam, they'll be able to, like, uh, wage war and, like, overthrow their oppressors, right? Boris mm. Johnson writing for Dubik. More I must less. say, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm quite poor and I've been carried away on the energy of this romp. And I'm finding it irreverent. Just, just hoping no. that we can kind of convert everyone to Islam in this one. Okay, I've got one finger up now. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm saying what the prison imam said. Britain is a society of divorce and <laughs> adultery. <laughs> yeah, we live in one of those. We live in one just of just those. Wearing yeah. a with Boris Johnson in it. Makeup. Where women are taught not to respect their own bodies, said the imam. Yeah, Dean felt sick at the thought of Vanessa writhing on the floor in the stock room. 35%. She was also epileptic. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot to mention that part. 35% of women in Britain have been abused, said the imam. Usually by someone known to them. In the Muslim religion, usually women- by one of us, am I right, lads? Uh, <laughs> usually by help, someone known to them. get those numbers up to 30 or, five, <laughs> or 40%. In the Muslim region, women are to be loved and respected and not treated like a piece of meat. Yeah, Dean thought, this resonated with him. Vanessa stroked Lucy Goodbody, the very name now on provocation of rage, um, and how she treated her own sexuality. He thought how she had obviously liked the piece of meat approach and shuddered in horror. Um, uh, 
Shudder with horror and desire and incomprehension. Wait, so, so Boris oh, this Johnson, incel shit. This He's, guy's an MRA. Yes, Boris <laughs> Johnson wrote a book about how, about like why incel incel yeah. is basically explicable. What? Why women are to blame for men hating them, and why the working class need to be more or less policed all the time, or they'll become lazy criminals, stroke Muslims. But Boris Johnson is saying that like being too horny makes you a Muslim terrorist. By well, which I mean, same. <laughs> by which logic, Boris Johnson should be Abu Bakr Al Bag <laughs> Boris. <laughs> um, so, uh, when he left Feltham six months later, there were all kinds of outreach workers ready for him, but Dean was now firmly on a different conveyor belt altogether. I like mm. that uh, that um, in Boris Johnson's imagined Britain, MRAs and, and Muslims can actually get, they're like the same people, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's a kind of reconciliation to that that I think is quite hopeful. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. optimistic. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, my, my, my Some people are getting is- along. Of the stuff that he puts, yes, of, of the words that he puts in the like Joker makeup in Mom's mouth, what does he actually like Boris? I mean, disagree with? Because we heard um, him talking about the like slags in the Daily Star or whatever. Yeah, oh, it's, I'll tell you exactly what Boris disagrees with. Is Boris thinks that when Brit- British men do it, it's like a Carry On film, mm-hmm. but when Muslim men do it, it's that, the that's news grooming and why we have to go to war. Yeah, yeah. the news. It'd be grooming yeah, gangs are actually just gangs. a kind of more gritty reboot of the Carry On franchise. Somewhere <laughs> I mean, there's an according- underappreciated Muslim Sid James. It would seem that for in Boris Johnson's imagination, yes, just delightful, just like chasing women around in fast motion. <laughs> Damn. Boris Johnson's got like an amazing fantasy world of the Middle East under Western rule where it's all just like women in burqas but their bras are just like pinging off and hitting people in the face <laughs> M- Mus- the Muslim world is so oppressive to LGBT people if you're gay in a Muslim country the only thing you can do is the Kenneth Williams roles <laughs> right so this is if you're if you are British um, chances are this is what Boris Johnson thinks of you Realistically, mm-hmm. yeah, because you if you're not, not you're one of his, Nigel Scum or like yeah. Wayne Crimes, if you're yeah. not one of his Bullingdon friends, this is what he thinks of you. If you're a woman, this is how he thinks you have to act, or other people are going to react to you like this. This is basically like if you want to know Boris Johnson's politics, if you want to know like what he really thinks, then look at what he's writing. Well, he's trying to be funny and relatable. Yeah. What are yeah. the other people? Are there any uh, like what about the home county's dads? Because they're nodding along at this. But he also probably thinks of them. Oh, totally. Like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any other like affluent characters in the book or anything? Oh, I'm sure. I I mean, honestly, this is probably one of the most disjointed pieces of writing I've ever read. Look, in fact, look, we're about to talk like about the it. Quran. It only really yeah. makes sense in the original Arabic. Because <laughs> <laughs> so no one thinks they're working class anymore. Whereas in reality, Boris Johnson considers anyone who went to rugby school or lower to be working class. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the next character, which is Boris Johnson's uh, female perspective character, Cameron McLean, oh, his oh, sexy research she, she, assistant. She bounced boobily down the stairs with her breasts. Oh, she, <laughs> bounces, she bounces very frequently boobily with her breasts, breastily. Oh, I just then, realized that she we sat down her pussy. <laughs> All right, hold on. I, have, may I be, have to do we, more caliphate shit and get my another bit <laughs> <laughs> we may be infringing on some of the ip of uh my dad wrote a porno by doing this podcast no, this is this isn't my dad wrote a porno this is like this is my dad wrote <laughs> my prime minister my wrote, wrote a, a manifesto no, this, is, this is my dad wrote a snuff film <laughs> <laughs> 
Damn. So let's talk about Cameron McLean, uh, the booby research assistant who's always sitting down in her pussy and knocking stuff over with her ass and being like, oh, I'm too wet. I forgot. She keeps dropping the pencil. I'm too wet. I forgot. I- I'm just um, surprised her name isn't more of an entendre. Like, I mean, it sort of is mm. for, an, for a British person, I think, where it's so American. You're like, wow, she must be so she American be so and free. Yeah. Mm. So. Barlow's sexy American researcher who's developing a crush not on him, but on a young professor. Uh, Damn. And also reflecting on a relationship with men in general. I think this is also very illuminating. Uh, and yet, apart from, from Roger Barlow's absent-minded attentions, Cameron's eight months in England had been an unremitting tale of tepidity, frustration, and let's be brutal, flaccidity. Sick. She's not. Wait, she's not been able to get it up the entire time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 it happens with the East Dial. I mean, <laughs> was there no man in this goddamn country who wanted to take her firmly in his arms and give a girl the time of day? No, because Britain <sighs> is pussies now, and like if, if we were chads, then we would like keep up yeah. with the hot American girls. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes, at her most vulnerable, she would even open her mind to the possibility that, sob, it was something to do with her. Which was absurd, because ever since she was a tiny little girl, she'd been told how beautiful she was. Damn, <laughs> she remembers fondly trophies. family holidays to Little St. James Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, you know, it's, just, it's um, another, another little insight into Boris Johnson's mind. Uh, walk around telling ch- child, women, child girls that they're hot. Damn, yeah. hey, mm. child it's women. Gonna, no, don't worry. They might have a moment of self, a crisis of self confidence later on in life, and if you tell them they're sexy when they're twelve, then maybe they'll remember and feel better about themselves. Yeah, absolutely. All of the people no, yelling officer, at you on the feminism. street are just like trying to do help you do self care later in life. Mm. Sometimes she began to worry that she was going to lose it altogether. Not her virginity, obviously, but her initiate status. Perhaps her hymen would actually regrow. Wow. So this this you know, this, this virgin joke that he's weaving through everything, I. Which is very deftly, by the way, is mm-hmm. such MRA shit, though, right? Yeah, like yeah, oh yeah. Mm. At one just, point, just going up to the babies in the maternity unit and just whispering, "You're going to be so fucking." Hot. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to never forget, never forget what a fucking piece of ass you're going to grow up to be. <laughs> one day, if someone turns you down, just remember you're just you're just like you're just a hot little slut. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> Can we have Doctor Casfani um, back in to just do the shopping <laughs> on them instead? At one. Uh-huh. At one point, she even seriously... Such a Muslim little bitch. (laughs) She seriously considered an affair with Roger himself, the Boris Johnson stand-in character. Oh, but then she realized she would never live up to his high standards. Um, Once you got... Well, uh, oddly enough, Taco, you're right. Oh, yeah? Once you got over the nicotine stains teeth and that goofy sense of humor, there was something vaguely compelling about Barlow. Once you got over Mm. all of the things that really made him so charming, Mm. there was actually charm underneath his charm. That mm. gaunt face, the brown eyes that seem perpetually amused, the beer drinker's thatch. I don't know what that is. Oh, uh, it, like pubes, type of roof. His pubes have become like, <laughs> infested because he drinks too much. Yeah. <laughs> Matted. Yeah, he she gets like, a weird taken. rosacea, but only in the pubes. <laughs> She'd briefly taken to walking into his office and staring at him, but he hadn't seemed to notice, <laughs> and so she gave up. What? Yeah, because that's how <laughs> like women children express Children of the attraction. corn style. Yeah, yeah. just kind She's of- She's like just... an inch from his face. 
<laughs> <laughs> Obviously, she needed an alpha male. She needed an authority figure to supplant her father, of course. What the fuck? Does it say that? Yes. Oh, my God. I added, of course, but it said the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An she authority needed... figure to supplant her father. Yep. She needed a stepfather. Yeah. <laughs> now that dad's not here to fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, uh, but she had concluded that she needs someone who is both the same as and opposite to her father. And Professor Adam Swallow surely fitted the bill. Adam Swallow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the power boss in this went. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he she needed someone to swallow her pride. He had a bust of Dante. He read a philosopher called Adorno. He went traveling to unexpected places, and in an elegant hand, he recorded his like thoughts <laughs> on the pages of leather-bound notebooks. He was furious about the treatment of Palestinians and resented America for a crass attempt to reconfigure with bombs and dollars the Muslim mentality and to impose democracy on societies that neither wanted nor understood the concept. I love how he's even managing to make the uh, like the liberal professor guy into a guy who also believes that like the Arabs are all hogs. Yes. Uh, like, yeah. They my, don't my, understand my, democracy. My, yeah, my liberal academic, Dr. Straw Man, is like, <laughs> has, some very, like, has some very progressive opinions, in fact, about the Arab brain pan. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, like just a brief aside. Yes, impose democracy on societies in which what, like Baathist parties, have largely been propped up by America for forty years. Yeah, just uh, over the mm. pile of like mm. dead socialists and Democrats being like, why don't these people like democracy? Damn. Mm. Gamal Abdel, who sir? <laughs> yeah. No, democracy Democracy is when we elect your president. <laughs> I will say this, Nasser yeah, was it a says chat. We like, the that's people. not an endorsement of his, all of his politics, but big dick energy. Mm. <laughs> so, her father would, of course, been scandalized by these attitudes, but maybe for Cameron, that was part of the attraction. So here's where we get to Boris Johnson's other fantasy. Oh, good. Her father, Henry, Hank, or Buster McLean. <laughs> Is he what he's always Megan doing. George yeah, Ciciarello always- Mayer fanfic? What the <laughs> fuck? Like, I, 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 I hate Megan McCain, but I feel like she should be calling the cops. Look, Wait, so is his, is his nickname Hank Buster? Because he's always busted. <laughs> yeah, he's always like, he's a cop. So, and- so, so, in effect, again, I... I, I, I want to note that there is significant overlap here between uh, Ben Shapiro's book, True Allegiance, uh, that has been reviewed on the Chap and Trap House podcast, where um, the main character is described as a, a bear of a man, six, fit in, six foot three in his bear shoes, built like a tank, etc., etc., where Ben Shapiro is clearly just dreaming up this dream mm. god of a guy. Well, 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 um, what was and that Boris podcast? Johnson. Boris Johnson did the same thing, but earlier. Yeah. Boris Johnson beat Ben Shapiro to the r- the rugged alpha male written in it's a regular. Ben Shapiro. Well, well, let's just say, let's just say for the sake of argument, you know, it's a guy, a big guy, a burly guy, a burly guy with big arms, big muscly arms, who could just who could just pick you up. He could pick, pick someone up like me up, like a small guy like me. He could pick me up and uh, he could pull down my trousers and he could just and he could just he could just break me in half. He could just break me in half. And, and you know what? You know what? I, let's say let's say hypothetically, I, I love it. I'd enjoy it. Let's but, say I'd come harder than I've ever come in my life. But what would I, you say about that? But I could break him in half with argument. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Boris yeah. Johnson's just inventing a man that he'd like to fuck people with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it's so her father, her father mm. Hank Buster McLean, was an alpha male so alpha that he would have been awarded a congratulatory first by examiners or advanced virility. Tentpole phrase, Claxon. Oh, That's another yeah, tentpole yeah, phrase. Amazing. Uh, 
examiners and it's like what does that even mean like he doesn't he can't even decide on a tone for his stupid jokes because what does that joke even mean you know it's not real it doesn't refer to anything i'll tell you what it actually means it means that he's just forgotten what to say and so stole a a blackadder line which is a a plan so cunning that if it was um that it would be awarded the position of cunning studies at oxford university or whatever yeah yeah totally yeah so that's just what he's he's just taken a he's just taken a blackadder line there and it's one of his tent no no he's not taking it he's he's it's an homage if you're smart enough to get it which congratulations riley you do Mm. you win the boris johnson prize for boris johnsonism Uh you can't spell homage without om which means ben because a woman (laughs) could never have thought of that (laughs) Here's the the next big pun. Here's the next tentpole pun. I'm bracing every muscle in my body. He commanded. I quiver with excitement. He commanded the Seymour Johnson U.S. Air Force Base. (sighs) Seymour Johnson. (laughs) I want to see more Johnsons. Mm. He thought he'd slip that past a lot of people, but nope, nothing gets past this podcast. That's about a a penis, right? Like, just to be clear. Uh, to see more of. uh, Oh fuck! I thought it was about Lyndon Johnson. Damn. How how everyone just loved to look at Lyndon Johnson because he has this big ass dick. Aren't typically (laughs) named after wanting to see more penis. So that that's very amusing. Yeah, yeah. They usually name things like uh, see less dick. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. If only he could command this nation with the deftness and subtlety with which he commands his prose. <laughs> yeah, we've, so, all, we've all been to Yusuf Hiddenwang in Germany. <laughs> so, um, well, Buster I mean, McLean, Buster yeah. McLean <laughs> believed firmly in the That's American Imperium. <laughs> Buster McLean believed firmly in the American Imperium. He loathed the Democrats and hated the media, in particular their grotesque misreporting of the Tet Offensive, which led to America's unnecessary withdrawal from Vietnam, and, and which he identified his daughter. <laughs> with current mm. accounts of Iraq. Not that he was a bigot or anything like that. As a major employer, he saw the evil waste and stupidity of racism. <laughs> oh, uh, my we'd God. We'd all be for racism, but for its economic uh, detriment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll believe that the black people are actually bigger and stronger than the white people. <laughs> <laughs> they can be put to excellent use in my yeah. gumbo factory. <laughs> and tilling the fields and such. Yes. Yeah. So he saw the evil waste and stupidity of racism, didn't care much about drugs either way, and was just innocently right wing in as much as he believed in the power of the will, the greatness of America. <laughs> in as much as he believed the in the will, will, you might say. Soil and had this the weird thousand belt year reign of the God will with us on it. Damn. And the ability of a man to rise on the stepping stones of his dead self to higher things. Uh-oh. Yes, we all we all triumph on the back of a will in a way. For example, I triumphed on the back of my father's will, which left me a hundred million dollars. <laughs> I triumphed on the back of a man named Will. Yeah, yeah. he was a power boss. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, when Cameron was a little girl, every year on her birthday, he promised he would take her up in one of the Lockheed jets he was commanding in ever greater numbers. And if it was, was the F-35 and they both died. Yeah, if he was commanding Lockheeds, that's either an F-35 or an F-104, both of which regularly kill their pilots. So, you know, <laughs> we can hear she would. Every year she would look at him with shining eyes and secretly wish that she could marry him. Oh. Oh, his daughter. Uh, oh, no, oh, she's no, wishing he no, could marry the, no, the, da- no, the dad. No, oh, right. no, no, yeah. no. Um, no, no, no. Um, thank you. I, 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 he's achieved the impossible. He has made me feel sympathy for Meghan McCain. Um, congratulations to Boris. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, is, it is a new low. Like he has actually been like, what? God, her dad's such a fucking Chad. I bet she wants to just fuck him. Mm. <laughs> so, 
What? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, also, don't forget, this was written by the man who's prime minister! Oh, I'm sure everything's I have fine. Heard that about Every- it's, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If Buster McLean was to be portrayed by modern Hollywood, it would, of course, be considered theatrically indispensable to expose him in the final reel as a cross-dresser, a bra fetishist, an alcoholic, or abuser of animals. I mean, as someone who does all of those except the abusing animals, like, <laughs> I'm not sure what that would add to the dramatic, like, Slow. trajectory like, of oh, that movie. Look at him! He's looking at women in their bras! <laughs> no, 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 it's Damn. worse than that. He's wearing the bras, and, like, I don't once think- you do that, you're not a Chad anymore. No, who wears the bra in this relationship? That's what I always ask. Mm. Uh, Buster McLean was none of these things. He simply had the right stuff exploding hormonally from every orifice. Again, if you take the estradiol on time, then it won't happen. (laughs) In fact, his machismo was so intense that he was often considered a danger to himself and the exorbitantly expensive technology he was paid to fly. This is hentai without the pictures. That's that's, all this is. This is the only accurate bit, is that the US Army is constantly spending a billion dollars on, like, a plane that takes off for three feet and then crashes immediately, somehow destroying a school in the US and Yemen. And you have to clean all of the cum out of, like, the instrument pack. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it crashed. He was too alpha, he was too chad, he was too manly, and he just fucking busts everywhere. So... So, in, in to wrap up, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom believes that working class people are in danger of becoming criminals and or Muslim, which are more or less identified as the same thing, if they ever get more than like 10 minutes of free time, and all women are essentially desperate to just be sexually dominated by the first man who walk up and talk to them because they all have wanted to fuck their dad since they were about six. Well, hang on, that second bit's still true though, right? <laughs> and we've still got more of this book, right? Like, we can go back oh, to this, this well. Is- this is the end of part one of the book. Fucking Amazing. hell, man. Oh, dude. I can't <laughs> wait to see how he wraps it all up in a nice little bow at the oh, end. It's gonna like, be such I, a, I look forward such to everyone. some Burka content, because I know he can't resist that. He's just, everyone's dad is dead, and all the poor people have been exterminated. Yep. I'm sorry, that's- can be happy ever after. Oh, so you're saying that his government is going to be the end of the book, then? That's very intertextuality. Fuck me. Anyway, before we bum ourselves out anymore, and because we have to go, it's think it's been again. Good enough. Good enough length of time. That's it for us today from Trash Future. You've all been lovely. Any any of your pluggers want to plug some stuff? Oh, man, my podcast, Sitting Under a Tree, uh, Aiden Jones. Yeah, uh, find it on my Instagram or just anywhere you get pods. You have a really. bunch of Australian listeners. Are you doing anything in Australia soon? Uh, oh, yes, of course. I'm doing the Perth Fringe uh, in uh, January and February. I'm doing my new show about how I've never met my biological father until a week and a half ago. Uh, my mum was backpacking in South America when she was 22, got knocked up. And, yeah, I met the dude and I found him and it was this whole saga and whatever. It's about race and dads and stuff. Yeah, but did you want to race fuck up by his dad? I'm doing. <laughs> it was so manly, dripping yeah. with manliness. I'm doing that in the in the Bursting. doing that in the Perth Fringe, the Adelaide Fringe in March, and the Melbourne Comedy Festival in March and April. Sick, Milo. We you usually plug it. stuff. This is coming out next Thursday. Yeah. Or from the point of view of the listener, now, now, <laughs> or previously, it's in your ears right now. Coming out now. Oh my God, Riley, Damn. you're one of those men we've been podcast talking about. Bursting from every pore. <laughs> yeah, this, um, this podcast needs an alpha to like keep us in line. 
Yeah, there's a smoke comedy on the 23rd of October in London uh, where uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have Dan Dan Mongleton and uh, Victor Petrashkin and uh, and someone else. It's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one. Um, we also uh, what do I have? I have I'm doing hot water comedy on January the 17th. I'm doing a version of my Edinburgh show, which should be fun. Um, I will also be doing other shows. I'm I'm looking at doing a show in Birmingham soon, so keep your eyes open for that. Oh, and if we haven't already said anything about this on the free episode, which you just listened to previously. Mm. Let's. Ju- I'm not saying anything in for sure, but I'm just saying keep November the seventh open. Mm. Yeah. Save the, the date. Save the date. Keep, to- keep November the seventh prone and ready. Oh, November the seventh. Oh yes, Alice, you have a plug um, as well. Yeah, this is coming out uh, Thursday. So check out Do Not Eat, uh, uh, Urbanist YouTuber. Uh, his YouTube channel, we should have a second episode of some kind of podcast about structural disasters. So that should be fun. Mm. Woo. Uh, if this is coming out next Thursday, actually, oh, I can man, s- heavy plug section. I can say, I sorry, I can plugging. say the episode of my podcast that'll be out directly after this is uh, with uh, another comic from London who also has a weird family situation where she didn't see her dad for a long, long time. And we both talked about having no dads. Um, that'll be the next episode that comes yeah, out. I'm so, I haven't even done it yet, but I know it's going to be sick. Oh, our, <laughs> all right. our listeners are power bosoms for plugs. Yeah, they're all just getting it. plugged. Damn. Anyway, um, enjoy being plugged, everybody, and we will see you in a couple of days. Oh, the theme tune. Yes, and our theme tune, thank you, Mala, for reminding me, uh, it is by Ginseng. It's called Here We Go. You can find it on Spotify. Yeah, listen to that shit. Start taking notes. Start taking notes. <laughs> Start... Thank you.